Today, we have the range suit all pallets available in 500 grams and 1 kg punnets. Limited stock, especially for Ramadan. Simply WhatsApp 084-777-0786. Place your order for collection or home delivery. All home deliveries to our customers age 60 years and older is absolutely free. Find us at the entrance to the Boulevard Office Park, Woodstock. The Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM Stereo In conversation with Traffic Warden Yes, indeed. Uh, welcome back to uh, In Conversation with. Uh, but before we go to our weekly economic report, uh, some breaking news is, is, is that um, Chad's longtime president, Indris Deby, has died of wounds suffered on the front line in the country's north, where he had gone to visit soldiers battling rebels, the armed forces have said. So, yes, indeed, we'll be following that story uh, very close. Davy 68 has just breathed his last defending the sovereign nation on the battlefield, said a general from the country of Chad. Chad, uh, by the way, one of the poorest countries in Africa. But in this uh, week's weekly World Economic Report, we're going to look at the following. U.S. senators call on President Biden to back India and South Africa on COVID vaccine patent waivers. The Reserve Bank says Tokyo Sexuality's claims of donor fund theft is crazy. And SARS is to improve tax collection. Online for comment is convener at the Africa Policy Circle, Dr. Paul Kariuki. Dr. Kariuki, as always, welcome. Thank you so much, Shafiq, for having me on the show, and good afternoon to all your listeners. The big one. Um, U.S. Senators, at least some, calling on Biden to back India and South Africa on COVID vaccine patent waivers. Uh, this is a big one. How likely do you think this uh, is? I don't think it's very likely. <laughs> Indeed, you're correct. Uh, it's going to take some time uh, for countries to move to that direction and also for Biden to win with that argument uh, because the vaccine story has taken more than a year uh, in terms of uh, 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 global structuring. Uh, for manufacturing. And you can imagine big countries like your China and India, they have already gone too far. And UK for this matter, and I'm sure Russia may be working on something also that they would like to have, um, you know, their own preeminence. So it might take a while for uh, for all the big players to come to the table and agree that that's the way to go, at least even if it's in the short term. It will take a lot of convincing and dialogues and, of course, each one checking the other one out to see if there is any hidden agenda that may not have been explicit, made explicit uh, to this advantage. Um, and therefore, um, it's not going to happen so likely very soon as, as it may appear uh, on the various media platforms. But of course, uh, I think there is going to be a battle. Um, I, I, I foresee some NGOs and NPOs taking up the cudgels because... I'm sure you'll agree uh, they should, because uh, why should um, citizens in, in, in poor countries like India and Africa have to pay so much, or why should the governments have to pay so much for the right to live? 
And that's that's another thing that is very important around this conversation on vaccination is actually trying to curtail what has lately been known as vaccination nationalism, where countries that are able to buy vaccine in large doses are kind of um, you know over dominating the market space, and therefore all other low and medium uh, middle income countries are really struggling to get to, to buy. Uh, doses for their populations. Therefore, uh, on one hand, um, the proponents of this argument are really making a good case to say, if we, uh, if, 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 if waivers are, are done, it's going to allow countries to start manufacturing their own vaccines, at least even if it's generic, locally, to at least safeguard the lives of many of their populations that are now at risk. Of course, the proponents will not want that argument because, they, you know, they would like to control who gets the access to the market. And, of course, they like to control who also uh, does pay and does pay for what price. The issue here is the cost price. And um, majority of these low- and middle-income countries are really, really battling to get access to buying uh, sufficient vac- vaccines for their own countries. And even a country like South Africa, you know, there is there's, there's a pressure to secure sufficient um, uh, doses for everyone at a goal. So you can imagine what happens to other countries that are a little bit um, unable to even get to the negotiating table. No, absolutely. And of course, I mean, the, the, the issue, as you've so correctly said here, is that some countries, and um, I've been told that Canada is the worst example. Canada's got 10 doses for every citizen. United <laughs> Kingdom's got six doses for every citizen. I don't know whether the, who they're going to vaccinate once they've finished vaccinating the citizens with such excess stock that they've got. And that's precisely the point. Uh, and so it just does not make any sense to to anybody outside of those countries because um, the sense of humanity in such a, a public health emergency has been totally been lost. It's now purely about selfishness and profits before people. And countries like Canada and those who have smaller populations uh, would want to see that their populations are well, well protected against a majority of billions of people. And so at this point in time, you'd expect, um, you know, the sense of saying that's a shared solidarity in trying to protect transmission and deaths of people. Uh, countries that are behaving exact opposite is just one of those things that you, uh, you wonder at what point do uh, um, nations around the world share in what we would see as um, a collective humanity. And of course it raises the questions of morality also on the part of such countries. Uh, it, it really does because mm-hmm. um, there are going to be some countries in the world that are not going to be able to afford to, yeah. to, to, to vaccinate mm-hmm. and yet um, people in the wealthy countries are going to want to travel and the yeah. irony is it's some of, some of the, the places that they like to travel to are some of the very places that are struggling to pay to afford for vaccines. I'm thinking of uh, Tanzania with its uh, game parks. Uh, yeah. As you know, Tanzania's had problems, Kenya, uh, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. These are countries that European tourists love to go to, uh, put on a cocky uniform and pretend they're a hunter or something. But uh, mm-hmm. um, on, on a more serious note, uh, then they're not going to be able to go to these countries because no vaccines. Yes, 
and of course then it will mean then either they forego their you know tourism pleasures or they expose themselves to the same risk that they're trying to avoid or just stay at home point blank but um, um, of which I'm sure probably they might go with the with the with the with the uh, with the latter with the former um, uh, possibility of trying not to travel at all uh, because you know what uh, once once is exposed to this virus and they are not ha- do not have any uh, you know capacity to fight it off it does not choose the color the country the wealthy and the poor and the status it doesn't. Once you're exposed and there is now immediate attention, then we, you know, the the, the the nations bid you by, and so they are not safe either unless they stay in their own country and not to travel. Yeah, and they will also not be able to 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 um, get herd immunities or get rid of COVID. So uh, yes. their own selfishness, uh, yes. in a sense, is going to see themselves shooting them themselves in their feet. It is true. And if there were there was any sense of shared humanity, in fact, what they could be doing is to donate their own jobs that they can that they have in excess to those countries that are, you know, are battling even to get the most minimum to inoculate their own vaccine, uh, populations. And so it's a, it's ironical because some of these countries that are wealthy uh, and trying to you know hold some you know buy as much as they can for their own populations in excess, and the same countries that come to these low uh, low and middle income countries for development action or you know for development uh, projects. So how do you come to provide roads and other forms of you know, developmental infrastructure, but you're not well concerned about the health of the same populations? It's ironical. It's, so it's, it's a lot is. of uh, hypocrisy when it goes to these things. It is. Let's uh, turn to something. I don't know what the Rand Water Board have put into Mr. Toko Sikswali's <laughs> water. Um, I'm still trying to understand what on earth he was going on about. Um, I picked up there was a conspiracy. I picked up that Jacob Zuma and Ramaphosa should have spent some money. A famous family was involved. Uh, but where is the money? I, I'm, I'm sure you're asking similar questions. <laughs> it is true. And, of course, it's, um, it's um, you know, on one hand, one wonders uh, how would uh, a, a person of this uh, national stature be scammed? You know, to get yeah. to a situation where he would believe a lie, uh, if this is a lie, as allegedly uh, from from what the National Treasury and South African, you know, Reserve Bank have uh, in their statement, they claim there is nothing like this that uh, Tokyo is trying to suggest. And so um, it it either one of two things: either he was truly as a Minister of Finance has said a, a victim of a scam, a serious scam. Or it could be a political ploy to distract uh, attention of the nation from the big things that are happening right now in our country politically that has gotten us talking as a nation. Uh, and so uh, only time can tell where this will go. But at least the National Treasury and the Reserve Bank have actually asked Mr. Tokyo if he has any verifiable evidence, then he should bring it forward for them to investigate and check. And of course, now that it has become a public uh, uh, conversation, of course, we are all wanting to know, is this true? And if it is true, where is then is the money? If it isn't true, uh, then maybe Mr. Tokyo has something to tell the nation. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it almost, it sort of, it's, it's reminds me of an R.E.T. kind of a thing, um, <laughs> except this time it's not Pep Store Carl Newhouse, except it's somebody else. <laughs> yes, and of course the, 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 the burden of proof now is on Mr. Tokyo to really, uh, you know, rise up to the challenge that uh, the National Treasury and uh, revenue, South African Revenue Reserve Bank has actually put to him. Uh, so that this matter can be laid to rest. Otherwise, it will, of course, paint him in the wrong picture right now for trying to, you know, uh, get into the factional battles uh, that are currently going on between, you know, in the ANC and could be playing out this uh, firstly to discredit the Sixth Administration in some way and, of course, getting in between the, as we know, the president will be going to the Zondra Commission in a week's time. Uh, of course, he's trying to muddy uh, his part so that, you know, already the public probably start making their own conclusions based on what he has produced forward as uh, a possible money that has been kept away <clears throat> that was meant uh, to finance free education. And you can see how this is going to play out when students at the moment are busy striking left, right and center to access uh, higher education. And then something like this is dropped in the middle of all these uh, challenges where the higher education sector is trying to find out ways to make this academic year possible. Uh, you can imagine the scale of, uh, of, of anger now that will start seeping um, among the public and among students and, you know, at the university unless this matter is laid to rest. Yes, indeed. It's certainly, I think, it's going to play itself out in an interesting way. Um, yeah. Our final topic, SARS to improve tax collection over the next three years. Tom Moyani would disagree. He felt he'd really improve tax collection by <laughs> not collecting tax. But that's another uh, story. Um, that certainly is good news. And I do believe, by the way, Dr. Kariuki, that SARS has already overcollected this year. Well, uh, to be honest, on one on, on one part, one would really want to commend SARS uh, for the work they have done uh, as a as a tax collector. Um, it you know, it, given the circumstances that the nation has found itself uh, in in the in the middle of a global pandemic that kind of stalled economic growth, uh, wiped away people's livelihoods, businesses were wiped away, and they're just beginning to you know get, regain their their foot in the market, so to speak. So having collected, you know, significant amounts of money, uh, you know, over 38 billion rand, uh, that is really commendable. And uh, it's one of those, um, you know, status of government that you can see there is work happening there that is actually uh, kind of trying to inspire people, um, you know, to continue building the nation uh, and, of course, at the same time also be be faithful to pay their taxes. And so I think in, in, in many ways, the picture that SARS has produced for us as a nation is a compelling picture. It, it goes against the many negatives that have really kind of, uh, you know, littered our public, op- public opinion space and kind of make many people feel, uh, you know, depressed every time you, you know, listen to news or something like that. So at least even though... Uh, Paying tax is not easy for so many people. They would love to hear there is more money, but they are not paying for it. But yeah, in this yeah. case, they are paying for it, but at least it's there. Then now the next logical question is, how is this money going to be put into good use to improve the welfare of, of citizens? 
Indeed, unfortunately we have to leave it on that note. Dr. Paul Kariuki, convener at the Africa Policy Circle for Weekly Economic Report. Dr. Kariuki, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Shafiq. Have a good afternoon. In conversation with Shafiq Morton.